and hearing by the word of God. Amen and amen. Thank y'all for that reminder. That's right. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for the word of God. Praise the Lord. Now, what I was talking about, when you go, when you go to the doctor, you fill out a questionnaire form. Am I right? And on the questionnaire form, what do they ask you? They ask you certain things about your own physical health. Do you, do you deal with this? Do you suffer with this? Do you suffer with that? But then towards the end of the questionnaire, when it's talking about uh, 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 your health, then it starts talking about um, do, do your family members. Am I right? It says, do your family members, do your mother, do your father, do you have any siblings? It starts asking, um, do any of your connected family, your, your um, biological family deal with diabetes, deal with depression, deal with certain things? And, and, and I was uh, reading, the reason why they ask those questions is because genetically some things are passed to us through our, our genetic and through our, our lineage, through our family connection. And so what they're doing is they're trying to see, okay, um, your family member, your mother may have dealt with the glaucoma, your mother may have dealt with diabetes, your mother may have dealt with high, or your father may have dealt with high blood pressure. Uh, in my case, my, my real father, my biological father passed away. I don't know what he deals with. So we said, I know, but I do know the things that my mother deals with. And so when those, the doctors ask those questions, they are asking so that they can see if you're exhibiting the same signs so that they will know how to go in and treat it so that you don't suffer with the same thing that your parents suffered with. Or even with your sisters, they're trying to see if it's something that's being passed. Just like, for instance, when you go and you get a colonoscopy, they ask, do, you, has, uh, do your sister suffer with polyps? And so, therefore, what they'll do is they'll go in and they'll test you for whatever it is. But what, what, they, what the doctors want to do is they want to make sure that you don't deal with the same thing that your family dealt with. They want to make sure that they give you the right prescription so that you will not be dealing with the same thing that your family dealt with. And so it is the same way in the spiritual realm. God sits and he has looked at the things that we have dealt with in our past. He sees the things that has maybe been passed down through our, 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 our family connection. Maybe our families dealt with alcoholism. Maybe our family or our mother or our brother has dealt with depression. Maybe they have dealt with, with certain things. And so God looks at all of that and says, I want to break that in your life. You don't have to suffer from what your family suffered with. You don't have to suffer from what your mother suffered with. You don't have to suffer any longer because why? We just talked about that God will break every chain. He will, we call those in, in, in the church realm, we call those generational curses. And there are certain things that get passed down to us. If we don't learn to break those things, we will continue to deal with those same things that we have seen through our cultures. Young people, I need for you to pay attention. I'm raw now, okay? I already, I already warned them. So, um, but anyway, the thing is, is that generational curses, you don't have to deal 
with generational curses. You don't have to deal with those things from, from year after year, even in your own life. Even and you've seen your mother go through and you've seen your mother or your father. And in my case, I grew up in a household that was full of abuse. And so all I knew through through a man was abuse. So therefore, when 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 I got married the first time, it was OK for a man to be abusive. Why? Because I had seen it before and I felt that it was OK. Now, my husband didn't abuse, but he pulled a gun on me. My husband, he, he, he didn't hit me, but it was okay for him to run around. Because why? I didn't like it, but I felt like that this is the way that it is because I seen it. And I was, my mind had become conditioned to this is okay. And so what God says is, God says, I want to recondition your mind. I want you to fill out your spiritual questionnaire. What is in your genealogy spiritually? What things have you seen spiritually that you're saying, you know what? I I got to fill out this questionnaire. Let me fill this questionnaire out spiritually. So let's look into, um, let's look at Deuteronomy 2, 1, and 3. So what I want you to do today is we're going to break the chains. I'm going to give you three, three tools. They're not all-inclusive, but three ways that if you put these into practice, it will help you to break the cycle in your life. Maybe it's the cycle of financial lack. Maybe it's the cycle of, you know what, I keep finding myself back in the same situation. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what it is, but what is it that you keep finding yourself falling back into? Y'all got anything that you've been falling back into and you're like, Lord, I don't want to keep doing this over and over again. So let's look at Deuteronomy 2, 1, and 3. Deuteronomy says, um, verse 2, I'm sorry, uh, verse 1. It says, then we turned around and went back into the wilderness. They went back where? Into the wilderness. Into the wilderness. Following the route to the Red Sea. How many of you, God has already delivered you out of something, but you keep going back? into the wilderness. The wilderness is a dry place. The wilderness is a place where everything and anything can get a hold of you. When you think about going through the wilderness, what do you think about you? I hate snakes. So I think about snakes. I think about bugs. I think about mosquitoes. Something I I don't want to go back into the wilderness. And so if God delivered me from the wilderness, I want to stay out. So it said, then we turned around and went back into the wilderness following the route to the Red Sea as God has instructed me. We worked our way in and around the hills of Seir for a long, long time. In other words, they were circling this same path for a long, long time. They were going in a cycle for a long, long time. Verse 2. It says, then God said, it's what? Then God said, God said something. God is saying something concerning your situation. God is saying something to you in this cycle that you're going through. But we have to be willing to hear what God is saying, dealing our cycles. Let's go to the end. It says, you've been going around in circles in these hills. What? Long enough. 
to say to your cycle, I've been going around this cycle long enough. Enough is enough. I've been going around this. I've been dealing with this. I've been going through this year after year, month after month. I'm sick and tired of going around. I'm not getting anywhere. I've been going through this long enough. God says you've been going through it long enough. How long is enough is enough for you? But then God says, go north. Go north. And when I thought about this word north, I thought about north is what? Up. North is what? Y'all ain't get that one. North means up. If you want to break your cycle, and this is, I'm, this is Holy Spirit. If you want to break your cycle, you got to look into the hills which comes your help. For your help comes from God. Look up. Don't look horizontal. Look north. Go north. Everything that you should be doing should be looking up to the Father and saying, Father, what do I need to do to break this cycle? Praise God. Let's look at what a cycle means. Cycle defined is a situation in which events are in a feedback loop. In a feedback loop. In other words, we, we, use, um, uh, we use backing tracks for, um, for uh, worship. And the way it is, it's set out in segments. We got the verse, we got the, the bridge, we got the chorus. And at any, particular, at any particular time, I can press a button on the iPad and get it to loop once. Or I can press a certain button on the iPad and I can get it to loop indefinitely. What some of us are doing in here, we are making, we are putting these things that we're going through on a continuous loop. On a continuous loop, God says, I want you to go to the chorus and sing hallelujah. I want you to go to the chorus and say, I've delivered you. I want you to go to the chorus and say hallelujah. I have been set free. But we keep looping ourselves on the verse. We keep looping it. Some of us loop it one time. Some of us loop it indefinitely. But the only person that can break a cycle in your life is you. In which the actions, a feedback loop, a feedback loop, which the actions or events are strengthened by its consequences. So in other words, each time you go through that cycle, it's getting that much more strengthened and that much more of a hold on you. It becomes a greater stronghold on you to where you get, it gets harder and harder and harder to break that cycle. Each time you go through it, and I'm going to explain why, it gets stronger on you. And you, it becomes a part of your thinking, you're saying this is normal. At first when you go through it, you're saying this is not normal. I don't like this. But the more that you go through it, the more you get used to it. Your body gets conditioned to it. It's case in point. You got a pain in your body. At first, that pain is, is, is excruciating. At first, that pain, like, for instance, my arm, I got to have surgery on my arm. At first, the pain was, it was a mess. They put me in a hard cast. But after a while, and they took the hard cast off, even now, I have become conditioned to the pain. The pain has not relieved, but I've become conditioned to the pain. So we become conditioned to things. The more we go through it, we become used to it and conditioned to it. Our body adjusts to it. Our thinking adjusts to it. 
our emotions adjust to it. And so what we have to make up in our mind, this is not normal. And my body must come in line with the word of God. I need for it to, I need a recalibration. I need a readjustment. When you go to the chiropractor, they crack your bones. I need an alignment, God. It's a series of events in which each problem creates another and worsens the original one. Each problem worsens the original one. So when we look at the book of Deuteronomy, we break the cycles. How, turn to somebody and say, I want to know how to break this cycle. And this is the thing. We got to get out of ourselves because you best believe that the person that's sitting next to you is dealing with something too. But sometimes we come up in here and we want to act like we're not dealing with anything and we want to walk in pride. But I guarantee you, if you sit down and listen to somebody else's story, you're like, man, I ain't going through that, but I'm going through this. So we got to learn. We're talking about on May the 18th, taking the mask off. We got to learn to get real and be honest with ourselves. Be honest with yourself. Part of, part of your deliverance is saying, you know what, I'm dealing with this and I want to get free from this. Right. Admitting is part of walking out and getting delivered and breaking the cycle in your life. So let's look at number one. How do we break the cycle? We got to make a choice to disrupt the cycle. Amen. Disrupt it. The cycle may be going but we got to disrupt it. You see how those chains are up there. It's broken because something decided that it was going to disrupt that cycle, that continuous cycle. And in today's society, we, we say recycling is good. But in the spirit realm, we don't want to recycle nothing. Don't recycle anything that God has already delivered you from. Anything that God has already brought you out of, you must tell the enemy, I refuse to recycle this. I'm not going to pick it back up. I'm not going to deal with it. Look, it's gone. I can't use this anymore. So let's look at how a cycle works in our, in, in, in our brain sense. The way a cycle works, you first do something and your brain gets, so first of all, your brain says, you know what? Do this. And then you do it and your brain gets the reward and say, oh, wow. Okay. It gets rewarded. It gets rewarded. Then the next thing happens, once your brain gets rewarded, your flesh then says, oh, this was pleasurable. This was good. This felt good. I like the way this felt. And then what happens after that, it goes back to your brain and a memory was created that when you do this, your brain, you got rewarded. It felt good. Then a memory was created saying, do it again. And what happens is we get into this point of rewarding ourselves. How many of y'all have said it's Friday and I deserve to do such and such? So you're saying, I am going to reward myself from working all week long. So you go out and you do something that you have thought about. Your brain gets a reward 
of doing it, you receive pleasure from doing it, and then your memory is created, and then the next Friday you say, you know what, I like what I did, I'm going to go do that again. Y'all, y'all ain't... Because we are into the point of self-satisfaction. We are into the age of rewarding ourselves. I deserve this. I deserve that. Even if it's not good for us, we still say, I deserve it. So what we have to do is we got to disrupt that cycle. Let's look at Exodus 22 and, uh, 2 and 6. Exodus 22 and 6. Disrupting the cycle. So what God was telling the, the, the children of Israel, the new ones that had been born from the fathers, from their fathers and their mothers, are circling 40 years and 40, 40 years into the, the, to the wilderness. Here now they're getting ready to enter in. And so um, if we look at Exodus 20, Two and uh, six, it says, I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from slavery. He did what? He rescued them from slavery. He says, and do not worship any other gods besides me, but me. It says, do not make any idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fishes. You must never worship or bow down to them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a what? A jealous God. I'm a what? I'm a jealous God. He's not going to try to compare himself and compete with anything in our life. And it says, uh, God, who will not share your affection with any other God. I'm not going to share. If you want to go and do it, I'm not going to share. I'm not sharing in. I'm not sharing. I have to rob with anybody. Let me just put it like that. Hey, you heard it from me. I ain't sharing him. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> I'm jealous. I don't want nobody rolling up on him. Ain't nobody else going to stay in my house but me, another woman. Let me get it right. I ain't sharing. I'm jealous. And God feels the same way. I ain't going to let nobody else come up in my house and dwell with me. Because I love you. And I'm jealous over you. I'm sorry, I digressed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It says, with any other God, what are the gods? The God of money? The God of other people? People God already said, look, they're taking, my, they're taking the affection that you should be giving me. And they're taking it. You're giving it to them. I'm going to tell you right now, Pastor Robert gives somebody else the affection that belongs to me. I'm going to bust up in there. It's a problem. Right, Sheena? It's going to be something up in here. <laughs> He's looking down at it. <laughs> it's he don't like it. <laughs> anyway, y'all know where I'm at. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway, it says, I do not leave 
unpunished, uh, unpunished the sins of those who hate me. I don't hate God. But when I choose to do what I want to do other than what he told me to do, I'm showing that I don't regard him. I'm showing that what he says is not important. But I don't hate him. It says, but I punish the children for the sins of their what? Their parents to the third and the fourth generation. I punish. I punish. I punish. That's the generational things that I was talking about. He says, I punish them, punishing the children for any sins. Who would punish a child? Who would do that? Sins their parents pass on to them. Things that pass on to you. You got to make a choice that I'm not going to allow anything to be passed on to me. To the third and yes, even the fourth generations of those who hurt me. You got to make up in your mind that you are going to disrupt this cycle. Satan, I'm not going to allow you to continue to pass things on to me. I have been delivered from being your child, but now I am a child of the most high God. I am a son and I'm a daughter of God and I'm not going to continue to live the life of sin. I'm not going to continue to live the life of the, uh, of the person who I work worship before I came to God. So when you when when you carry over those sins, these those sins and those things, and I'm just going to call it like it is. When you carry over those sins from week to week and from when you got saved, there ought to be a change once you have given your life to Christ. There ought to be a difference in your thinking. There ought to be a change in who you deal with once you said, "Lord, I give my life. I surrender totally to you." And I'm going to get to this in a moment. God says, I want all of you. I want all of you and not part of you. You still have some connected over here. And but yet you want my blessings. You want to enter into the promised land. And God said, I can't let you enter in until you let this go. So we got to make it. We have to choose. Make a choice to disrupt the cycle. And this is what God was telling the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy, he says, break this cycle. Your fathers worship gods. Your fathers did things that I told them not to do. Don't you go and try to do the same thing. Number two, we have to choose to completely obey. Completely. Completely. And I'm going to talk about this. Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, then God said, you've been going around in circles in these hills long enough. Go north. I'm telling you to go north. And I need you to completely obey me. Completely obey me. And I, when I thought about this, some of us deal with selective obedience. We pick and choose what we want to obey. Selective obedience. God says selective obedience is disobedience. Selective obedience is disobedience. 
obedience. Y'all laughing because y'all know y'all doing it. <laughs> Selective obedience. I see you over there, Brother Paul. I mean, Brother, um, uh, uh, God knows, I can't even think of his name. Paul, Paul, Paul. Paul. I, got to, I got it. Paul, Paul, right? No. Rob. Rob. Okay, Paul, Brother Paul. He let me call him Paul earlier. <laughs> he probably said I didn't know it. <laughs> I, I butcher names. But anyway, selective obedience. We pick and choose. Y'all ever seen something and y'all, you're going through something and God said, uh, you read in the Bible. Oh, no, I don't want to read that right now. I'm going to move this on over. Uh-uh. Well, God said, um, um, God said, um, hold on. Let me find something that's, that's, that I want to hear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. God said, uh, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be the head and not the tail. But we failed to read the verse before. I don't want to read. I'm just going to cut this part out of my Bible, and I'm just going to focus in on this. <laughs> Y'all do that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm stepping on toes, Miss Esther. <laughs> we do that. We do that all the time. We pick and choose. If God tells us, look, you shall not have any other gods. I want you to put that down. I want you to let that person go. Oh, no, God, he good for me. We hold on to it. We selectively obey. And God says selective obedience is disobedience. Let's look at uh, 1 Samuel 15 and 2, uh, 2 and 3, and I'm going to show you what selective obedience gets you. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 2 and 3 says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle the accounts with the nation of Amalek. Amalek um, were, uh, is where the Amalekites came, come from. And uh, the Amalekites were people that, that, um, that, that were enemies against God's people. And so it says, I have uh, settled the accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. And it says, now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Do what with them? Destroy completely. completely. The men? You want me to kill them, God? The women? The children, babies? The children? The babies? The cattle, the sheep, the goats, the camels, and the donkeys. Man, God, you mean to tell me you want to kill? You want me to kill this over here? That which I've been connected to? They're living, they're breathing, God. They're, they, they have life in it. But God said, I want you to utterly, I want you to, to kill it. I want you to destroy it. That thing that you've been holding on to, God says, I want you to destroy it. But it's breathing. It has life in it, God. But God says completely destroy it. It looks innocent, God. It's, 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 it's just a child, God. It looks so innocent. It's not hurting anything, God. But God says, I want you to destroy it. Destroy it. Next verse. Let's go to 1 Samuel 15. Now, we saw what God told. He said, utterly destroy. Completely. But look at what happened. He captured. And we're talking about Saul. Saul captured Agag, king of who? Amalek. Alive. 
But everyone else was killed under the terms of the holy ban. Saul exercised selective obedience. I'm only, I'm going to do this, God. But I'm going to keep Agag. And it says Saul and the army made an exception for Agag. Let me pause right here. We make exceptions for our sin. We make exceptions for the things that God says I need for you to utterly destroy. And it says for the choice sheep and cattle, it looks good. And they didn't include them under the terms of the holy band. What did God say in the beginning? Everything. And they didn't include them. It says, but all the rest, which nobody wanted. I didn't want that. It didn't, it won't profitable to me. Didn't matter to me. I don't care about it. Those things that you don't care about, the enemy ain't going to tempt you with it. No way. You ain't going to want it. It says, but all the rest, which nobody wanted anyway, they destroyed as decreed by the holy band. And why did I bring this up? Because they exercise selective obedience. And because they exercise selective obedience over in the book of Esther, when you read the book of Esther, Esther had to go before the king because of the mere fact that, that the Amalekites, Agag, because they had spared Agag, Agag had now become stronger and was deciding to destroy the whole nation of Israel. So what Esther had to do, he, she went undercover and she was married to the king and she went to the king because the king had issued a ban that all of the Israelites would be destroyed and and uh, uh, Queen Esther Esther went to him and said but wait a minute hold on I'm an Israelite too so if you kill them you're gonna kill me and so what ended up happening was the king ended up destroying Agag but it was not Agag but a descendant of Agag if he they kept Agag and because they kept Agag all of these years had passed by and it rose up to come to their bite it come to it came to bite them selective obedience because if you would have did it when I first told you to what did I talk about it strengthens itself And when it comes back, it comes back with the vengeance. The word of God says that when you sweep a house clean. And if you don't fill that house with something. You don't when you kick them out. And if you don't go and exterminate and do what I need to put something, put some barriers down, fill this house with something. Guess what? It's going to come back. The Satan and his enemy, he's going to bring more people back. He's going to bring more things back with him so when you sweep the house clean you got to put something in it because if you don't it's going to come back stronger choose to completely obey and my last point when God says go north we have to make a decision that we are going to move north by faith we are going to go forward By faith. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. We're going to move out in faith. Another way to break this cycle is to focus on the positives while trusting God to overcome the negatives. Focus on the positives while trusting who? 
to overcome the negatives. Let's look at Numbers 13 and 25. And what do I mean? It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. Now, we're talking about Joshua and Cave, and God told them to go out and to spy the land um, because I promised you this land, but I want you to go out and I want you to do some reconnaissance on this. And I want you to go and look and see what's going on. And so Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of the Israels at Kadesh and the wilderness of Paran, they, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them, showed them the fruits they had taken from the land. God has showed you some of his goodness. God has showed you some of his deliverance. God has showed you how much he loves you. He's shown you that I am the God that will deliver you. I'm the God of peace. I'm the God of love. I'm the God of mercy. I've shown you how much I love you. The fruit they had taken from the land. And it says this was their report to Moses. Now, they had seen the beautiful things, and it says, We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. God, I know the great things that you have for me. And I know that it's indeed full of greatness. Nothing but blessings and favor can come my way because of the land and the things that you are promising unto me. And it says it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. You're not going to have to worry about a thing. You're not going to have to worry about anything because I got you. I know how to deliver you. I know how to pour up and make men come to you and bless you. I'm flowing it unto you with milk and honey. And here is the kind of fruit it produces. He allows people to be put in your life that will literally be blessed and holding on to the promises of God. And God will allow you to be connected with those people to allow you to see that this can happen in your life too. Next verse, and it says, but the people living there are powerful. Here we go. Now, seeing everything, everything is beautiful, but now, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And it says, the Amalekites living in the Gev and the Hittites, the Jezebites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, Caleb who had got a glimpse of, you know what, I see all of that, but I'm looking into the faith room. I'm looking, I'm looking beyond what I see. I'm seeing what God has for me. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer this. I'm not going to look at what's there. Caleb. And it says, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought. You ever had anybody that you are walking full of faith and you're standing and believing God and they come with all of this negativity? They always want to talk about, well, yes, I know this, but you know what? This over here, look, 
If you're talking negative, if you're talking against what God is saying over my life, you got to get out of my way. I don't want to hear it. And a lot of times we connect ourselves and we listen to the wrong thing. We're listening to the negativity instead of standing on what God has promised you. What God has promised you is not what he's promised me. And I, you, if God has promised you something, then you got to resolve in your heart. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care what nobody does. I'm believing the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord says that I'm free. The report of the Lord says that I'm healed. The report of the Lord says that I'm delivered. I don't care if I slip back into this. Guess what? I'm still delivered. I'm not going to stay in that cycle. And so we got to learn how to focus on the positive. What Caleb did was he focused on the positive. And because he focused on the positive, God said, you know what? They won't enter in, but Caleb, you will. Am I right? That's the word. So because you can let all of the naysayers sit and, and talk negativity, negativity to you, but you continue to go the course that God has told you to go. You continue to obey the voice of God. And God said, look, I'm going to make you move on out and let, leave them sitting there. And they're going to be like, girl, how did you do that? I look at Sister Nikki. Sister Nikki opened up her business. We had a, 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 a vision board party. And, and Sister Nikki said this was what her business was. And she had it written before her, the promise that God had given her. The very vision that God had placed within her heart. And when the time was right, God said, go forth. Go north. Go north. And I'm sure she got some negative reports. I'm sure she got some people saying you can't do this and you can't do that. But she said, I'm going north. I'm only going to obey what God said to do. And now Nikki has opened up her business because she didn't listen to the naysayers. She didn't listen to the negativity. And the same thing can happen in your life. What is it that's in your heart? What is it that God has promised you? What cycle do you need to break in order to go north? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is your Agag? Who is your Agag that you spare? Who's your Agag? You're sparing it. You keep making excuses for it. Who's your Agag? What's your Agag? Y'all, y'all following me? Amen. Your situations and your Agag can rob you of the victory that God has already given you. Has already given you. And that Agag creates fear, which will immobilize you from moving forward. Let's stand to our feet. We got to learn to focus on the positive, not the negative. Are you ready to break the cycle in your life? In order to break the cycle, we got to make a choice 
to disrupt the cycle. You want to disrupt that cycle? You want to stop going through what you're going through? Disrupt it. 